Our scripture for today is Mark chapter 7. Uh, We're going to be reading verses 1 through 8, 14 through 15, and 21 through 23. Hear now God's word. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you, hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So back in 2018, about four or five weeks after I first came here to be the associate pastor, uh, I first attended a back-to-school bash. We just had one recently. It went really well. We were really excited to be able to do that. But at this particular one that I came to with my almost four-year-old daughter, there was a station there where you would go up and you would put this lotion on your hands, and then you would go to the bathroom and just wash your hands as you would normally wash your hands, come back to the station and put your hands under a black light, and it shows you how well or how poorly you washed your hands. Anything that didn't get washed off shows up under this black light. I was really excited that they had this because I had my almost four-year-old daughter with me. And so I thought this would be a great opportunity to teach her that she needs to improve her hand-washing techniques. So Naomi and I went together up, we put the lotion on, we went to the bathroom, we washed her hands, we went back, and we put our hands under, and oh my goodness, I learned I need to improve my hand-washing techniques. This lotion was still in the crevices all around my fingertips, uh, all all over, and I realized... My hands were quite dirty. (laughs) It revealed that I had not washed my hands really well. Naomi's probably looked better than mine, to be honest. In the past year and a half, we've all been told to wash our hands more often than, than I ever have in my entire life. That's because our hands can get really dirty. In the scripture we just read, we hear the Pharisees complaining about Jesus' disciples. That they didn't wash their hands before they were eating. We're going to take a closer look at this passage, breaking it up into some smaller chunks. I encourage you, if 
Feel free to follow along in your own Bibles or in the Pew Bibles. We will have uh, words to the different sections on the screen as we go. So first we hear in verses 1 and 2. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. The first thing to see here is that the Pharisees and some of the scribes came from Jerusalem. They traveled to be with Jesus today, to see Jesus, and most likely to complain to Jesus. They had traveled quite a ways, actually. If you look at this map, which you probably can't see very well from your seats, uh, Jerusalem is down towards the bottom and Galilee is up towards the top. I don't know exactly how far away because we're not sure exactly where Jesus is at this moment in the story, but somewhere in Galilee, it's not just right around the corner. They had to intentionally travel to get here. And they did so because they wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to complain about what he was doing and things that he was teaching. Because up to this point in the Gospel of Mark, we've already seen the Pharisees and Jesus have two previous experiences. First in chapter 2 about fasting, and then later on in the same chapter about Sabbath keeping. Both of these are still important spiritual practices that can impact our spiritual life today. Fasting and Sabbath keeping. The Pharisees confront Jesus about these practices not because there was, their concern was about uh, the things that people might be missing out by not participating in fasting or Sabbath keeping, but because it wasn't being done in the way they thought it should be done. Fasting is a practice of self-denial that puts someone in a better position to be able to hear from God. Sabbath keeping is a way to slow down one's life and have a weekly time of reorienting yourself towards God. But when the Pharisees complain about these practices to Jesus, their complaints are only about the actual ritual. They completely ignore the spirit or the purpose of each of those. And now in this third encounter with the Pharisees, we see the same thing happening again. We're told that they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands. They noticed this because that's the kind of thing they're looking for. Think, think about this for a second. The attitude with which a person comes to Jesus affects what they see. In the chapters leading up to this encounter, people have come from all over, and they're all coming to experience Jesus. Some of them are being healed by Jesus. That's what they experience. They experience healing touch. They experience the nourishment of the multiplied loaves and fish, and increased knowledge about the kingdom of heaven that Jesus is teaching about. But the Pharisees and the scribes come to Jesus with a different attitude. And they don't notice the healings. They don't notice the help that he's giving so many people around him. Instead, they notice that the disciples are eating with dirty hands. The attitude we have when we come 
to Jesus will affect what we notice about him. It will have an effect on how we experience Jesus. The attitude we have when we walk in this building will affect the experience we have when we come to worship God. Now, I doubt the Pharisees carried a blacklight that they had at the back-to-school bash. I don't think they were carrying that around as they were traveling to Galilee to see Jesus and inspecting people's hands. In fact, the Pharisees' concern had little or nothing to do with hygiene at all. Let's look at the next couple of verses that will show us a little bit more about what the Pharisees actually did care about. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. Notice it doesn't say, thus cleaning their hands so they don't get sick. No, thus observing the tradition of the elders, because that's what they cared about. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. Throughout the book of Mark, we get these parenthetical remarks. See, there was a, you can go back one more slide. For, yeah, there's parentheses at the beginning and the end of that uh, section. Because the gospel of Mark, by and large, is written to a specific audience. It's written with non-Jewish people in mind. And so to Mark's audience, these traditions are not ones that would have been known. Thankfully for us, he pauses to explain what's going on. He teaches us about these traditions of the elders. Mark explains some of these very strict traditions that the Pharisees hold to. We might think that some of them are obvious, that people should in fact wash their cups, pots, and kettles, whether they're bronze or made of anything else. But apparently, as Mark explains, this is a unique tradition that the Jewish people are uh, ascribing to at this time. And then after this comes the actual moment of the confrontation. So the Pharisees, having noticed this, the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? So the Pharisees now complain directly to Jesus about the dirty hands of his disciples. They don't accuse Jesus or his disciples of breaking the Old Testament law. And they're not looking out for them because they're afraid they're going to get sick by eating with dirty hands. Their concern was for following the tradition of the elders. This is a phrase that we see repeated throughout this section. The tradition of the elders. What is this tradition of the elders? It actually goes back a long way. According to the Old Testament, priests were required to wash before entering the tabernacle. You can see this in various places in Exodus and in Leviticus. But otherwise, the only time someone was required to wash their hands was if they had touched something specific that I don't care to get into right now, but you can read about in Leviticus 15. There's nothing in the Old Testament specifically about washing your hands before you eat. There's nothing. The Torah contained laws for all Jews. 
It contained the laws that Jewish people follow religiously. And it was handed down and taught to be observed. But the Torah is not the only law that's handed down and taught to be observed. There was something else that was handed down. The Pharisees believed that Moses had received the Torah from God on Mount Sinai, as do other Jews. And they also believe that there was something else Moses received on Mount Sinai, an oral interpretation of the Torah, this tradition of the elders. Is God explaining the Torah to Moses, who then explains it to people after him? And thus we get this tradition of the elders that the Pharisees believe is directly from God through Moses, through rabbis for generations all the way to them, and that they now are the protectors of this oral tradition of the elders that contains more laws, in fact. Now, it's important to understand that originally this tradition of the elders is a, it's a good thing. <laughs> Something that that all Jewish people ascribe to. In his commentary on on the Gospel of Mark, author James Edwards explains all of this, but then he says this about how this tradition of the elders actually plays out. Jewish people refer to this tradition of the elders as the Mishnah, if you've heard of that before. So James Edwards says this, which is quite helpful. The oral tradition, at least in theory, intended to express the intent of the law and extend it to matters of everyday life. In practice, however, the tradition of the elders tended to shift the center of gravity from the intent of the Torah to peripheral matters that either obscured or perverted that intent. So Jewish people still have them. It eventually got written down. And Jewish people still have this Mishnah. Its original purpose was to explain how these laws pertain to everyday life. How should we live because of these laws in the Old Testament? The original intent was good. But oftentimes it became about the laws themselves, forgetting the original intent. So when the Pharisees come to Jesus and complain about the dirty hands of his disciples, this is what they are referring to as the tradition of the elders, this oral law that's been passed down. So to me, this is like a scene from a movie when someone is picking a fight with someone they think they can take, but everyone else knows they can't. It happens in movies and shows all the time. If you're a fan of the Marvel movies, it's kind of the plot of every one of them. There's a, there's a point when, when the bad guy or the villain thinks they have the upper hand. This also happens in every Western that's ever been made. The bad guy has the upper hand. What are we going to do? But then the hero flips the script and lays into them, putting them in their place. Jesus is now going to call them out, the Pharisees for their priority on the tradition of the elders over the Old Testament law and over, more importantly, the intent behind the Old Testament laws. Listen to how brilliant Jesus' response is here. 
He could simply just have told them that they were putting too much emphasis on the tradition of the elders. But instead, he refers directly to the Hebrew scriptures themselves. Keep in mind, the Pharisees would have known the Hebrew scriptures quite well. They would have studied these and known them. And Jesus says, verse 6, he said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Think about the impact of using this quote from Isaiah 29.13 when referring to the Pharisees. They'd studied this before. It's from a time in their history when God spoke to his people and when God called them out for putting the words of their mouth above the state of their hearts. A time when God, God claims that they had turned his word into a list of do's and don'ts instead of what it was supposed to be. Through the prophet Isaiah, God critiques the people and says, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The Pharisees would have studied that. They would have learned about their ancestors that God accused of doing that. And now, now Jesus is applying those words from the prophet Isaiah to them. Jesus says, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, to the Pharisees. Would have been a very forceful accusation. Jesus takes their accusation about his disciples and turns it around into an accusation, a much bigger accusation of his own, about the state of the heart of the Pharisees themselves. You may have noticed we skipped over some verses at the beginning of this message. When I read the scripture, I said we're reading verses 1 through 8 and then uh, verses 14 and 15. That's because the lectionary, which is um, just some prescribed uh, scripture passages for each Sunday of the year that we sometimes follow here, sometimes don't, uh, it, it pieces together parts of chapters sometimes. Um, but verse 9, which was left out... Uh, and, and the verses following after that, Jesus gives another example of how the Pharisees are doing this, of how the Pharisees are putting their own uh, interpretation of laws and this tradition of the elders in a, in a more uh, important place, in a higher priority place than the Old Testament law. And I just want you to hear Jesus' words in verse 9. He says, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your own tradition. Hmm. He's contrasting the commandment of God against the tradition that he says is your own. It's of human hands. Jesus isn't even done. In fact, he doesn't just want this to be a moment to accuse the Pharisees, but now he's going to turn this into an opportunity to teach the crowds that had been gathering. Verse 14 says, Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. 
but the things that come out are what defile. To you and me, this may sound like an innocuous statement. But for Jesus, a Jewish teacher, to say this would have been quite radical. This is an important moment in the Gospel of Mark. It's being written to a non-Jewish audience who doesn't really understand a lot of the Old Testament laws about ritual cleansings, eating pork, or circumcision. Jesus does not say that these outward things are irrelevant, but declares that ultimately they're not what makes a person clean or unclean. On down, Jesus clarifies even further what he's saying. He's speaking now just to his disciples. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Notice this list is a list of things that all have outward actions. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, and so on. None of these take place only in the heart. But Jesus is pointing out that they all come from the heart. That's the starting place for all of them. Jesus is certainly still concerned with Old Testament law. He's certainly still concerned about ritual cleansings, a part of their culture. But he isn't nearly concerned with outward cleansing as the Pharisees are. Instead, Jesus is concerned with the cleansing of the human heart. This whole chapter serves as a powerful reminder of the dangers of letting faith become all about what we do or don't do. If it was happening in Isaiah's day, in the Old Testament, and if it was happening in the day of the Pharisees and of Jesus in the New Testament, there's a pretty good chance that there's still a temptation today for us to fall into this same age-old trap. This chapter serves as a reminder That what we're doing right now, in fact, in this very moment, could be nothing more than honoring God with our lips while allowing our hearts to be far from Him. Oftentimes, we can judge the health of a church by its activity. I'm going to say that in the first person singular this time. Oftentimes, I can judge the health of a church by its activity. But that's not the way it should be. I see a calendar full of events, Bible studies, worship services, kids' activities, youth group events, mission trips, outreach events, and who knows what else. It can be really easy to see all of that and assume that a church that's doing all of these things is honoring and pleasing to God. But in fact, all of these things could be done while still being inwardly defiled. But there's good news for us as a church as well. In a year when the list of things I just read all got canceled, when we have periods of time without any activity, 
In this story, we hear a reminder that it's not those things that purify us anyway. Jesus is not anti-washing hands. Parents, you can tell your kids I said that if they left after the children's moment. It's still good to wash your hands before you eat. Jesus is not anti-washing hands. In the same way, he's not anti-fasting or anti-Sabbath keeping. Jesus just wants to remind the Pharisees. And he wants to remind you and me that every spiritual practice is a means to a deeper and more important spiritual reality. That Jesus wants our hearts. And I invite you to give yours to him today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this story in Scripture that reminds us that outward activity, that outward cleansings, outward acts of worship even, while good, are not the things that change our hearts. And Lord, you desire a heart that seeks after you. Above all else, above all church activities we could plan or do, or programs, God, you desire hearts that seek you. So God, show us where our own traditions have taken too much of a high priority in our lives. Show us places where we have emphasized outward things and failed to look inward at our hearts. And God, convict us and lead us towards repentance and cleanse us from within. In Jesus' name, amen.